This is the Sneaky Plays Podcast, presented by JokerMag.com, the home of the underdog. Thank you for listening, and enjoy this podcast. Alrighty then, welcome to the Sneaky Plays Podcast. I am Brian Catino, and I'm here with Joe Duffy, and as always, we are here to talk some Major League Baseball. What is going on, Joe? Not much, Tino. Uh, late night last night. Congrats to the Toronto Raptors. They won the NBA Finals, and now us as baseball fans, we win because, you know, we're back in primetime now. This is uh, our time of the year right here, ready to go. Yeah, this is uh, the time of the year where it's just pretty much only baseball. Um, if you're a WNBA fan, I guess you're <laughs> lucking out. Um, if you watch the World Cup, which I do, so um, the Women's World Cup is actually pretty good. Um, you know, you get to watch that, I guess, but that's not every year. But uh, anyway, I mean, Major League Baseball is now in full swing, mid-June right now, um, about a month away from the midseason classic, uh, which will be played in Cleveland at Progressive Field. So, uh, yeah, and we'll be starting to get rolling, huh? Yes, sir. Uh you know, month away from the All-Star game, only about a month and a half from the trade deadline. So as much as uh, all that NBA news is going to be filling up uh, ESPN and, you know, whatever other major networks, we got uh, plenty of drama coming our way in the MLB, too. So I'm all ears. I'm ready to go. This is uh, the fun part of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, some of that drama is starting to happen already. And I feel like it's been happening earlier this season than in other seasons, usually towards the end of July, middle of August, when it starts getting real freaking hot out is when uh, teams start, you know, getting their, their bubbles burst and they, you know, start overheating. Um, that's when you see pitchers throw at, throw at hitters and whatnot. And I feel like that's already been happening this year. Um, but I do feel like that there has been some, some softness going out on, around in the league would would you have to agree softness is a very good way of putting it yeah i would i would 100 percent agree um you know this this old mentality of how we view the game of baseball it's just we have to change you know times are changing the tim andersons of the game are those are the guys that are going to thrive in today's game and if you still approach it like gee i don't know catfish hunter in the 70s then i mean you know, you're going to get left in the dust with the times and people are going to look at you, you know, sideways, just like they were looking at Madison Bumgarner last week. Yeah, I mean, I so Madison Bumgarner, I, I think I, I guess it stemmed his emotion stemmed from from getting a few calls missed um, in, in the at-bats right. prior. Um, I mean, which still is no excuse. But anyway, Max Muncy hit the ball. I don't know. Three thousand feet. Killed it. <laughs> I mean, like everyone in the world knew it was a home run as soon as he swung. Um, and he honestly, he didn't even like bat flip. I mean, he looked at it for like what, two seconds? You, like, I, you would think, I don't know, man. You would think the way Bumgarner reacted that he went Jose Batista in the playoffs against the Rangers on him. Like, that's, that's the way you would think he acted. He hardly even watched it. He, he got his trot started relatively quickly, maybe a second. It was, so blown out of proportion. Yeah, well, anyway, so Mad, Mad Bum is, is yelling at him, telling him to run, and while Max Muncy was running. So, <laughs> uh, I didn't really understand that. Um, but, yeah, is, is Madison Bumgarner, like, stuck in stuck in the old ages right now? And uh, he's not moving up with the game. That's kind of how I'm seeing it right now. Yeah, Madison Bumgarner is the, the grumpy old dude sitting on the porch yelling at the little kids are playing outside. That's what he is. Um, look, not only, the best part about that is Max Muncy telling him, if you don't like it, go get the ball, because that's exactly what he should tell him. It's like I watch Max Scherzer every you know five days, pumping his fist, sh- sprinting off the mound, screaming anytime he records a strikeout. But if a guy hits a home run off him, he's not allowed to show any emotion. Like That's a ridiculous thought. And yeah, I mean, look, for, for teams looking to trade for Madison Bumgarner, like, I think that personality plays a factor. Like, the, like me and you have talked about, the Phillies are one of the teams that have been in on him from the start of the season. 
But like the way the Phillies clubhouse is, I don't know if that's a guy you want to bring into that clubhouse. Like he he just doesn't fit with a guy like Bryce Harper or a personality like Mike Franco or guys like that. Like I think that guys like Madison Bumgarner are starting to become like the old guard, so to speak, of the game. And, you know, you're going to see the Max Muncy's and the Tim Anderson's and, you know, these younger guys start thriving and they're going to be the ones we're talking about. Yeah, so I, I would have to agree. I don't think I would honestly want Bumgarner on my team if he's going to be acting like this. Um, it's not like this is like a, a brand new trend that happened last week. Like, we've seen this progress over the last – I don't know, seven years, maybe I'll, I'll, I mean, I'm probably off on a year or two there, but I mean, players are starting to have fun playing baseball and not be stuck in these old ways of, Oh, you know, we got to be trim and proper and we can't wear chains and blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, we saw with the Mariners last year with those, I mean, ridiculous uniforms, but <laughs> yeah, those I mean, were, you know, we're... those were out of control, <laughs> way out of pocket. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, anyway, we're starting to see, you know, baseball is supposed to be fun. And like, you got to remember, it's it's a kid's game and they're they're playing a kid's game, you know, for 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 pay. So, I, I mean, I just don't understand why you wouldn't want to go have fun. I get it's your job, but I mean, I don't know, dude. I really don't know. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And I've, like, obviously, Bumgarner has had his problems with the Dodgers. And, you know, that Giants-Dodgers rivalry is a real thing. And he had the issues with Puig and everything in the past. But, like, dude, you he literally went out of his way to make something out of nothing. Max Muncy, I don't even know if Bumgarner was even looking at him while he kind of pimped that home run a little bit. Like, Bumgarner had his back turned, didn't even see it. Then Muncy's legitimately trotting around the bases when Bumgarner's yelling at him. So I, I just didn't get it, man. That was... That was one of those things that you looked at that and you were like, man, Mad Bum, you're just – you're way out of touch with this one. Yeah. And the, the crazy thing is he he threw a hell of a game after that. He did. He, <laughs> threw, he threw a fantastic six, game. I think he threw, after that he ended up throwing six and a third scoreless. With, so seven innings, four hits, one earned. I mean, it's a hell of a game. <laughs> yeah, he's, but... he's kind of put it together too recently. Like I, I wish that me and you could sit here and talk about his pitching rather than his antics on the mound. But the fact of the matter is when his, your team sucks like that, the antics on the mound are going to far outweigh what you do, you know, in, in terms of success on the mound. So unfortunately that's where we're at. Yeah. They're, they're standing out a little bit more. Um, let's move on to another veterans antics over this, uh, this past week or so. Um, Pirates Braves. Oh I think God. it had to be the second at bat of the game, right? Um, yeah, it was. Joe Musgrove. I mean, there's runners on base. It's the first inning. Um, I don't see why there would have been a reason for him to throw at him to begin with, and I don't think Joe Musgrove is that type of pitcher to be anyway. Um, throws a pitch that brushes Josh Donaldson's jersey. I mean, like it didn't hurt. Like take it easy, Josh Donaldson. And he starts chirping at Joe Musgrove. I mean, what's what's your take on that? Like, what do you think was going through either Musgrove's head or Donaldson's head? Like, what's what's happening there? Um, well, what was going through Musgrove's head was he was trying to run one inside and, you know, start the A-B, push Donaldson off the plate a little bit. That's what's going through his head. Um, it was early in the game, like you said. There was no reason for Musgrove to hit Donaldson, and it was – pretty obvious that he didn't the catcher was set up inside that's where the pitch was supposed to be he missed his spot and it ran in a little bit um look Josh Donaldson's another one that's very similar to Madison Bumgarner we've seen him and Manny Machado start brawling on the field over by third base when he was on Oakland um yeah Donaldson's just another one of those guys he's kind of the old guard um now I don't know in what sense? Like he, it's not like you know he's the MVP he was on the Blue Jays, where teams are, you know, gunning for him, either pitching around him or throwing at him because he's the guy in the middle of the order. Like he's kind of had an up and down season. He hasn't been that great. Like there's no need. There's just no reason whatsoever. Joe Musgrove intentionally Musgrove intentionally ran that one in, and because of the way Donaldson acted, it it really affected the the rest of the week for the Pirates, having to take Musgrove out of that game, go with the bullpen for eight innings, 
Then now Musgrove's coming back. He pitches yesterday. So it, it completely, you know, destroyed, what, three, four days of baseball for the Pirates. So, yeah, I, that one really didn't sit well with me. Um, Josh Donaldson's got to get a grip. And that's that's what it comes down to. It's him and Madison Bumgarner. I, I'd say more so Josh Donaldson, though. Like, get a grip. No one was throwing at you. Just play baseball, man. Yeah, I I would have to agree. I mean, you know, you've seen facing Josh Donaldson where if you can get inside on on his hands, he can't really do much. And then he's worried about that inside pitch. You throw a low and away slider, you get him to punch out. I mean, it's kind of been the recipe for pitcher success over the last few years because, you know, Donaldson's starting to age a little bit. Obviously, he still has his power, but his hands are slowing down just a slight bit. So if you could run up that two seam inside, get him thinking about that, then drop a slider or a curveball low and away. Like, that's that's your recipe for success. Um, Joe Musgrove is is not going to ruin his his team's game plan for the week or his game plan for the day by throwing inside at Josh Donaldson in the first inning of a game. He's just not that type of pitcher to do that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it really ruined the Pirates' plans for the weeks. Had to do, you know, a couple call-ups and – and whatnot to, to figure out their, their pitching, because I mean, it's not like it's college softball where you can just throw 300 pitches in a week or something. It's like, it's baseball. You can throw 100 pitches in a week and then you're done. So he threw what 15 and it just ruined the whole pirate staff for the week. So really disappointing from Josh Donaldson, in in my opinion. And more disappointing on, Whoever was, I, I'm not sure who were the umpires for that game, but whoever was, whoever made the call to send Joe Musgrove packing, that guy should be fined. You know, so like they, there needs to be some kind of penalty for that because, like, like we just said, you you ruined that team, an entire series for that team. If imagine the Pirates miss the playoffs by four games, they miss a wild card spot by four games, and then you can look back at. Oh, yeah, remember when Joe Musgrove got ejected for absolutely no reason and they had to use their bullpen for 18 innings over the course of two days? Like, this is the stuff that affects entire season. So I think that for sure whoever the ump was that made the call to get him out of the game, I think that there needs to be uh, repercussions for that for sure. Yeah, I would have to agree. They they want to preach that every single game matters in the MLB, right, uh, out of the 162. But if, if you're going to be so quick to the punch on something like this, I, I don't think you care about every single game. I think you care more about yourself as an umpire and trying to um, have a peaceful baseball game. You know, like, I I don't know, man. I mean, I, I feel really bad for the Pirates and Joe Musgrove right there. It's uh, it's, an, it's an absolute shame. Yeah, it is. And it's it's time that these guys just start getting held accountable. You know, Angel Hernandez shouldn't be allowed to – watch pitches go right down the middle and just not say anything because he's either not paying attention or he has a clear bias to whatever team he's calling the game against. So I think it's time that all these umpires, every every sport, it's time for the officials to, to start being held accountable for the mistakes they make. I, w- I would have to completely agree with that. Um, so on some lighter notes around the league, enough of the disappointing and annoying stuff. Um the Colorado Rockies are playing uh, much better baseball, huh? How about it? Colorado Rockies are playing like the way we thought the Colorado Rockies were playing. Uh, I actually got to go watch them play last Friday night at City Field. And uh, the game where the bench is cleared, it was a blast. Um, but, yeah, you can just t- like David Dahl when he's up there, man, I don't know if there's a more uh, comfortable dude at the plate across baseball right now. He's just – that's a guy that's locked in. He's going to put the ball in in play almost every time he steps up to the plate. And now with Daniel Murphy, Murphy healthy, you're starting to see the depth in the middle of that lineup and where they can produce runs and power. So I, I just think now that they're healthy and they've kind of, you know, that lineup's come together, they're, they're going to play playoff-style baseball now. Um, it's just a matter of the pitching. Uh, can Kyle Freeland come back up from the minors and get back to the form he was in last year? You know, he finished fourth in the Cy Young. If you could get a guy like that, add him to the rotation, that's a huge boost. So I just think in turn, that lineup's where they need to be now. Uh, pitching's still got to get there. But, yeah, the Rockies are about to take over second in the NL West. And uh, 
start running toward that wild card. Yeah, so yeah, they I mean they've been playing some pretty good baseball as of late. Um anytime you have Nolan Arenado on your team, that helps. Um but like you've mentioned, the pitching just needs to get a little bit better. Um and I think it will. I, I think it will. Um I think we're starting to regulate some some of this weather uh, finally in Colorado. So uh, I don't think their traveling will be as bad. Um but yeah, I think the Rockies are well on their way to being in firm playoff contention within this next month and uh, probably, you know, straying away from the bottom pack, which of the Arizonas, the San Diego's and the San Francisco's. So um, yeah, good stuff from the Rockies plus their uniforms are dope. So also cool. Um, And then the nationals are interesting. Um, They're still six games under 500, but they've been, they've been playing really good baseball. Yeah, they've been playing much better baseball. And look, six games under five hundred, it is what it is. Um, I just think when you have the pitching they have, that's a a deficit that's surmountable, you know. Um, Max Scherzer, though he got off to a little bit of a slower start, he's put it together. He's been fantastic. The strikeouts are there like they always are. Corbin's hit a little bit of a rough patch here, but before that he was the best pitcher in that rotation. And to be able to say that about a rotation where – you know, Max Scherzer's at the top means you got a real solid one-two punch. And if Strasburg's your three, I mean, you're going out every series. You're looking at, you know, a real opportunity and a real advantage in terms of pitching to go get wins. So I think, you know, as long as that lineup stays healthy, because the fact of the matter is it's just they're so young and there's not much continuity there from over the course of previous years. I just think that those guys need to stay in the line and a model of consistency and, you know, really just cement themselves in there. Um, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, uh, regardless of how well they keep playing. I do think that, um, you know, those two teams above them in the NL East are more talented. But I do think that they have what it takes to at least hang around and make a run. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to stri- uh, stay away from the Nationals. Um, I, I think they're, they're capable of, of very good things, but... I mean, this certainly isn't their year. If you were to, you know, if you will, um, right? They they might make a playoff, you know, a playoff push. Um, I the Mets are going to drop off. I think that's inevitable to me. I think they'll finish in third, um, which I guess, like you know, would be near playoff contention somewhat. But I mean, I think the Braves are too good, and I think the Phillies still haven't even played their best baseball yet. So um, either it's a, it's going to go significantly up or it's going to stay where it's at right now. And right now it's, they're still a playoff team. So um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be tough for the Nats to, to build their way up and try to knock one of those top two off here. Um, here's a question for you now, though, if you, if you're running the nationals, are you buying or are you selling come July 31st? <sighs> it's, I mean, this next month is going to really determine a lot. Um, yeah, obviously that's a little uh, premature of a question to ask. There's a lot that can happen from now until, you know, the All-Star game and in between and whatever. But I'm just – the outlook right now, you know, with all the injuries the Phillies have had um, and whatever else is going on in the NL, I mean, there's a window here. It's just do you take it or do you trust – do you trust the pieces you have enough to go, you know, to, to get to get you there? I think what the Nationals are going to do is stand still and do literally nothing. Um, I'm not sure what I would do. I would maybe get a bullpen piece and see what that does, but I wouldn't be changing my lineup around or trading Scherzer or um, Strauss or anything like that. I mean, if if you add another piece to the lineup in the offseason, another bullpen arm, like I, they're still a good team. I just think they had a really, really rough start. And that's it's really hard to catch up from, um, especially when everyone else in the NL East is just beating up on each other. So I, I don't know. I w- I'm not going to sit here and say I would, you know, be a full blown buyer, but I would maybe try to get a piece and, and see what happens with that. Um, because, like we like we we've touched upon, there's no real expectation now that they're six games under 500. So if they stay around 500, again, still no expectation. So. I would maybe buy one piece 
or or be at a I feel like Rizzo will be at a standstill here. Yeah, I, I tend I tend to agree where I think a standstill is probably the most likely scenario. I think that obviously a lot of those young pieces and the pitching they have in place, they're not they're not gonna do anything drastic. I do think that if they end up selling Sean Doolittle is the guy that they look to move. But I'm with you. It's either it's either add to that bullpen or, you know, get rid of the pieces in the bullpen that you could get value for. But when we look back on the beginning of the year, they're in this position they're in, you know, largely because of the bullpen. So that's either you're either going to move off pieces there or you're going to add. But, yeah, there it's an interesting scenario if you're uh, if you're in the Nationals front office for, you know, looking looking forward to the next month. Yeah, I kind of like what you said there where it's like it's it's really just been on the bullpen. I mean, they haven't hit crazily or anything like that, but I mean, they've hit well enough to win some some baseball games that they right. did. So, um yeah, I mean, either either sell do a little try to get as much as you can for him because he's still a good uh, still a good eighth or ninth inning guy. Um I I I still don't think he's a ninth inning guy. I don't know what it is about him. He just doesn't have that vibe for me but um i mean still a good relief pitcher nonetheless plus he's lefty so yeah i mean he could really help contender if if the nats aren't contending so they could probably get a pretty good haul for him yeah i would tend to agree um i i think they could get a great a great haul from him um he he may be the top bullpen piece available come the deadline um now don't don't quote me on that because i'm just flying off the top of my head here but I don't know. There's not going to be much bigger names than Sean Doolittle when we talk about bullpen pieces available or maybe available come July 31st. So that'll be a commodity to where you might be able to pull an extra prospect or a pick, um, you know, just because of the demand there for, for bullpen pieces for contending teams. So, yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting scenario. Yeah, I can't really think of any other – relief pitchers on the, that are going to be on the market as of now maybe um, uh shane green from detroit shane green yeah that's but, that'd, be pretty, that'd be a pretty good piece actually yeah um, that that's the other one that's popping into my head right now yeah but uh, you know not like if we have to think about it this hard that means there's not much not much going on huh? right right exactly so um anyway let's let's move away from the nationals and to uh the brightest spots from last night um Shohei Otani first ever Japanese born player to hit for this cycle how about it awesome every everything about that was awesome everything dude his game we like it it sucks that we've only got to see him in spurts because at the plate dude he is dynamic he is just he's such a good baseball player he's good everywhere um you know I hope I do hope that we get to see him at his best on the mound again eventually but for right now, just as a DH, I mean, dude, this guy is lighting it up. It took him a little bit to get going coming off of the injury. But now that he is, my goodness, he's slapping the ball wherever he wants to, dude. He's been special. Yeah, he's oh, he's a great hitter. Um, there, and there's really no way around it. Um, yeah, just going forward, you know, you'd want to see him have a full season of pitching and hitting. That would be so cool. Like, it's something we haven't seen ever you know since Babe Ruth basically yes since since Babe (laughs) so um yeah I mean if he can get that arm healthy I would I would give him two years still he's still pretty young um to have a full season of hitting and pitching that that would be something special uh for baseball and as a fan that'd be freaking awesome I would just love love to see it that would be I mean when he I mean he it's not like he did it for long last year but when he did it those first two months of the season it was, I don't know, in my mind, it was like, this guy's the clear-cut MVP of the American League because he's he's pitching well, he's hitting well. Like, Otani, if he could do that and maintain both for the course of an entire season, he's a clear-cut MVP winner, not candidate, winner. So I, there is money to be made for this dude in the future. I'm, I'm happy for him, man. I'm happy he came back from that injury so soon to get back in the lineup. And, uh, yeah, hopefully that arm rehab goes well. Yeah, I mean, if he can hit 280 with 40 bombs and have an under 370 RA, I feel like that's an MVP to me. Right? I mean, even if he only had, like, even if he only went, like, 12 and 10, but he had, like, a 3-5, the strikeout numbers were there, 
Um, you know, hit to walk wasn't that outrageous. Like, I think that's an automatic MVP. I don't even think you can put put it up for discussion. Yeah, and you and you know it would be a topic where if someone like I don't know, Yelich Yelich didn't win the MVP or something like that, and oh, they're in different leagues. But regardless, if Trout didn't win it and Otani did, like you'd be like, oh, well, he just won it because he did pitching and hitting. Well, you know, incredible, incredibly difficult that is to do, especially in the major leagues. <laughs> I mean, that's MVP in itself, and I, you, you, you hit the nail on the head right there. Yeah, if, if you can walk on that field every day, um, you know, hit around, like you said, 280, pop over 30. Like, I don't even think he needs to push 40. If he had, like, 30 home runs, over 80 RBIs, and then he's, you know, say the number three guy in the rotation. I mean, what are we – there's not even a discussion to be had. He That's the MVP of baseball right there. I think Otani, I mean, in terms of upside, who has more upside than that guy for to what he can provide a team for the future? Like you said, he's still relatively young, um, has plenty of time to keep improving. So, hey, look, if they haven't surrounded Mike Trout with much ta- talent, at least they got that guy out there. Yeah, at least at least they have an exciting thing for fans to look forward to, and you know, opposing fans coming to ballparks and whatnot. Like you get to see Shohei Otani, who is a once in a lifetime type player. Um, although we may see Brendan McKay very soon, right? That's your boy. He's he's pushing uh, he's pushing at the door right now. Um, and now Mike, some in, some injuries and stuff too. This might be the time of the year where that uh, opportunity knocks. Yeah, there. I've heard some some rumors uh, about August him coming up as as just a pitcher, um, but he's still been hitting a little bit. So we'll see if he uh, makes that um, you know that push as a player and a, and a, a player and a pitcher. That would be uh, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, and for a team where. You know, first base isn't necessarily the position of strong suit. He, uh, you know, he he could find he could find himself doing both. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hopefully, uh, good things for Brendan McKay, dude. That's uh, how many years ago he got drafted? Two, three? Uh, three years ago. Yeah, um, okay, so it's starting to get to that point where he's going to have to make that push. Yeah, I mean, he's twenty-four years old, and uh, I mean, he's just absolutely running through the minors right now like no one's touching him uh, as a pitcher um he's not as he's not hit as much as you would like to see but he's still a good hitter um but yeah he's he's coming he's he's definitely coming and if it's not this season it's the start of next season so really exciting stuff right there um all right let's move on to the official topic at hand um we promised everyone to go over our all-star ballots a little bit, um, obviously this is not our final ballot because we still have quite a, quite a few uh, weeks before. But um, up until next Friday, you can vote for the top three at each position, and those top three move on to the next stage of the all-star voting. Um, so it's three for each position, and then nine outfielders make it, which <laughs> seems like a ridiculous number, but it's just you know because there's three outfield positions. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, let's get to our all-star ballots, see if they differ a little bit or they're similar. I feel like we're going to have a lot of similarity at a couple positions just because of the lack of star power there. Um, but anyway, you want to start with the AL first basemans, um, and then we'll move to NL first basemans and, uh, so on and so forth. Yeah, we could do that. That's, uh, I like that. We'll run through, go through each league, each position at the same time and then, uh, move on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's start with, with your AL first basemans. Um, do you have a particular order for your top three, or you kind of just threw three on the page thinking I, uh, that they should advance? I, I, I put them in order. Um, now, this is as of now. We still got time. But, uh, yeah, I, ha- I have mine in order. Um, All right. Let's start with number one for you. Yeah, so I got C.J. Crone, Minnesota Twins, locked in at number one. Uh, what do you got? I also have the CJ Crown. All right. I was hoping that uh, we'd be on the same page to start. That's good. So I think me and you will probably be very similar here then. I got Crone, Luke Voigt, Jose Abreu as my three in order. Um, I, I threw in Carlos Santana in there, not the okay. guitarist, the baseball player. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Carlos Santana is having a really good year. Um, and he's one of those guys where I don't see a lot of Indians making this all-star game. So I feel like Carlos Santana might get into the top three. Um, and he has my vote. Um, and then I have Luke Voigt at number three. Um, he could arguably be my number two. Uh, and he can end up being my number one by next week because he drops absolute bombs. So, he does. Uh, yeah, Luke, Luke Voigt has to be in there, man. He's he's a hell, hell of a player right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you. He's got to be in there. Um, the only reason I got Crone ahead of him is because more consistency. I feel like C.J. Crone is a guy that does a better job putting the ball in play, spraying, spraying over the field a little bit more. I just think he's a more complete hitter than Voigt, so that's why I got him ahead, but – yeah, I think either one of those two is interchangeable to uh, to end up starting. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's switch on over to the NL. Um, I feel like this might be a consensus vote for number one. Um, oh, it's you gotta got to be. It's Josh Bell. There's not. It can't even be a discussion. No, there's zero discussion. It's Josh Bell. Yeah, he's starting. Um, you know, if you don't like the Pirates, sorry, this is what's happening. It's Josh Bell, and then. Uh, I'm going to shout out, even though I don't want to, here's a New York Met for you. I think Pete Alonso uh, is slept on in that official ballot right now. He's uh, he's behind a couple guys that are, you know, names we that have been there for a while. Um, and look, Freddie Freeman's a stud. I have Freddie Freeman on my list, so I'm not hating on the fact that Freddie Freeman's ahead of him. But, um, yeah, I think Pete Alonso's being slept on. So I got him at two and then Freddie Freeman at three. So, um. I have Freddie Freeman in here, and I have Anthony Rizzo in here. Which, I yeah. Do not, yeah um, and it was t- actually tough to pick the number three because I was literally clicking back and forth between Pete Alonzo and Anthony Rizzo. Um, I mean, Pete Alonzo is having a hell of a year, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if my vote changes within this next day <laughs> that I vote Pete Alonzo as opposed to Anthony Rizzo. Um, I feel like they're both going to get a lot of votes. Rizzo might – stretch him out and edge him out because of you know he's a household name in in the major leagues um but yeah i mean the nl first baseman i mean come on i mean this is this is just real good i mean um so freddie freeman's my number two he's having a hell of a year the dude just hits he just straight up hits and then yeah the the three four the three one or the three a and the three b would be anthony rizzo and uh and pete alonso yeah to uh to that point, I had Anthony Rizzo right after Pete Alonso, so or Freddie Freeman at number four. So I'm right there with you. Those I think those are the four clear cut guys that you should be choosing from. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's really anyone else to choose from there. Yeah, for um, sure. Even though I'd love to pick Reese Hoskins. Yeah, I mean Reese Hoskins is having a good year. It's just, I mean, with Josh Bell and Freddie Freeman, and yeah, it's not it's not comparable. No, it's 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 simply not. Um, I do think he can still finish with a really good season, as always. But um, For sure. we'll see when it, when it gets there. Um, let's move on to possibly the weakest uh, AL position, um, second base. Um, who's kind of leading your category there? Um, or do you? For me, I kind of just have three guys. I don't really have an order. Um, I'm with you. I also just got three guys, no order. So uh, let's let's uh, here's here's some of these names you got. So we'll uh, we'll start it out shouting out Coastal Carolina University, Mr. Tommy LaStella, who uh, not a single person on planet Earth thought would be up here for an all star vote. But here he is. Um, Tino, you just wrote something on Tommy LaStella, didn't you, too? Um, I did not write it. Um, a colleague of mine, uh, oh. Chuck Salick, wrote it, but he uh, um I shouted, I shouted it out to uh, St. Joe's Regional because that's where he went to high school, right. and then Coastal, where he went to college, and uh, got quite a few, got got some action on that piece. Um, it was really good. Uh, Chuck Stalig is a great writer for us at Joker Mag, so um, really good piece on Tommy Lestella. He's having a heck of a season right now. Yeah, definitely go give that a read, everyone. Uh, so yeah, Tommy Lestella, I got, and then I got your boy, Mr. Brandon Lau, who is not getting enough love on that all-star ballot and it's starting to make me angry because that guy has been nothing short of fantastic for Tampa. And then as of right now, I have Whit Merrifield as the third on my list. Um, now, Yankee fans don't get mad at me. 
DJ LeMayhew is number four for me. Um, you know, I just think Whit Merrifield's a, a better player, regardless of the season. I, I view Whit Merrifield as the better player. DJ LeMayhew is just, to me, he's like the most generic baseball player there is. If you ever played MLB The Show and you did create a player, D- DJ LeMayhew is the model they give you before you make any changes. That's what he is. <laughs> And oh, then, I, oh man, that's great. <laughs> and then, uh, I, look, and then D Gordon. I think because the Mariners are going to struggle to, you got to get someone in for a team. The Mariners are going to struggle to get someone in. So I think D Gordon making the game is a possibility, even though I don't think he deserves it. Yeah, I would have to agree with you there. Um, so I mean, my three is Brandon Lau, Tommy Lastella, Whit Merrifield. No real particular order. Um, Brandon Lau needs to be getting more votes. It's a, it's a shame that, uh, he's not as of now. Um, hopefully this changes over this next week. Um, I mean, he just hits absolute bombs and it's, it's hard to ignore the home run leader for a team for the all-star game. So, um, yeah, he's got, he's got my vote. And then like I said, DJ LeMayu, um, I wouldn't be upset if anyone voted for him or if he made the top three. Um, and like, like we said, it's been a weak position for the AL. So um, yeah, DJ LeMay was at four for me. Um, could easily change to three. Um, we're both huge Whit Merrifield advocates. So Whit Merrifield has my vote right now, um, but we'll, we'll see as it goes forward. Um, DJ LeMay has had a great season so far. Um, and I think like you said, Whit Merrifield is just a better baseball player in general. So I, I kind of want to see the better player there. Yeah, I'm with you. I'll always, you know, obviously this is an in-season vote we're doing here, and it's based on the 2019 season. But if it comes down to a tie break for me, like in my head, I'm always going to go with the player that I view as the more talented of the two. Yeah, I would have to agree. Um, Let's slide on over to um, the NL at second base. It's a a slight, uh, slight increase of talent over here, but, um, Nothing that special, but uh, anyway, who you, who you have? Who, I don't know. I think someone. I think someone very, very special is leading the way. I think we can start talking about Ozzy Albies as the best second baseman in baseball, um, and we could start talking about him as you know one of the the, the real high end players we're going to be seeing in the future for a long time coming. Um, you know, I don't think he's Ronald Acuna level, but I think he's you know maybe just a step short. He's been fantastic, man. Um, defensively, you know, if you ever if you ever get a chance and just if you enjoy the game of baseball and fielding, you got to watch that guy do glove work with Ron Washington before Braves games. It's it's phenomenal to watch. But he's just a young kid who sticks to his craft. He sprays the ball all over the field. He's solid defensively. Uh, to me, he's the best in the game. So I got him one, and then I got uh, Kittel Marte and Mike Moustakis to round out uh, the National League. Yeah, so um, I guess my statement was was a little uh, mis misread there. Um, yeah, I had, to, I had to jump on you real quick. The 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 top three is very good, and I also have the same exact top three: one, two, three. Um, Ozzy Albies is incredible. Um, I know we're still both upset that he took that money so soon. Um, yeah. <laughs> Ima- oh my god imagine he just waited today imagine what the difference in money would be today if he just waited you know two months i mean yeah it's uh it's a little uh it's a little annoying i guess i mean it's not our money yeah, it's his but i mean he's he's a very good baseball player um and yeah so he's he's number one for nl second baseman i don't really think there's much of discussion there um you could maybe argue Cattell Marte at number two, who's hitting 281 with 17 homers and 47 RBIs. And Mike Moustakis is also having a good season right now, uh, 278 slash 21 homers, 445 RBIs. So it's a pretty good second baseman there, and then there's kind of a pretty huge fall off right after that. Yeah, the fall off does end up pretty drastic after that. In fact, I think Cesar Hernandez might be fourth in that in voting right now, and you know, look, I'm a Phillies fan. I watch every day. Um, I think Scott Kingery should maybe be playing second base and leading off for us every day. So that that'll, that speaks to the depth of at second base in the National League. It's just there's not much there after that top three. Yeah, and I guess you could just argue for both leagues that second base is not exactly the strongest position. Um, 
I mean, you know, we're missing some household names that have been playing well over the years, like Robinson Cano. Um, obviously, he's not having a good season, and we kind of called that he wasn't going to have a not uh, not such a good season. So, um, anyway, let's move on to third base, which is, I would say, strong in both leagues somewhat. Um, some different names at third base, most likely here. Um, for the AL, who you got? Yeah, so for the AL, I got no particular order. I got Rafael Devers, Alex Bregman, and then my third one, the third one was the tough one to pick. I took Matt Chapman. Um, I'm sure we might have some differences there. Uh, what do you got? Uh, I also have, in no particular order, I would maybe slide Bregman up to one, Devers at two, and then Hunter Dozier at three. Yeah. Um, three, the Number three was hard to pick. Um I kind of just went with the average there in the OPS over over Chapman. Um, I mean, Chapman's a significantly better fielder, but no one really cares about that for the All-Star game. Right. So, um, I mean, and Dozier might be the only Royal to make it if Merrifield doesn't make it. So, maybe. I don't know. Like I said, picking number three third baseman was tough for the AL. Yeah, I'm with you. It was a tough call. Um, I, I went with Chapman because, like – like you said, obviously people don't care about defense in the All-Star game, except for me. I care about defense. I love defense. Matt Chapman's either the – I'll give him a second-best third baseman defensively in baseball, so I still got to give the edge to Nolan. But, um, yeah, and then Chat, the power numbers are there. He still produces. Um, average is down. It's never going to be great. But, you know, Hunter, Do- to me, Dozier was the next one up. Uh, just not as large of a sample size for me. So I went with Chapman. Yeah, I you know you you may have swayed me a little bit um, towards Chapman, and I I might change, but um, I'm not really real gung ho on picking the third third baseman for the AL. Like I right, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I mean I think I think Chapman was um, when they when they released it the other day. I think he was down at five. So I think uh, Dozier and someone else were slotted ahead of him. I'm blanking on who else, but. It, it could you know, possibly so, be David. I know David Fletcher was getting some some good votes there um, from the Angels yeah. and Gio Urshela it's possible. as well. Oh, there you go, Gio Urshela. That was the other one, and I he's another one for me where sample size was just the difference there. Yeah, and I mean he only has five homers, so right. I mean, yeah, yeah I think so. him being in oh he's in second place. So there you go. That's a Yankee vote right there. Way to go, Yankee fans. Good job. <laughs> Way to ruin a good thing. Yeah, every every damn time. Aaron Aaron Judge is top. All right, we'll talk about it. But come on. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll all right. We'll we'll discuss. That. Let's move on to probably arguably the best position for a league ever in baseball. NL third baseman. Um, yeah, man. What are, what are we looking at here? <laughs> all right. So I got no particular order. Arenado, Bryant. Actually, you know what? Go in order. Arenado, Chris Bryant, and then I got Anthony Rendon third. Um, I think the Nationals are probably only getting one in, maybe two if you include a starting pitcher. Uh, Scherzer will probably get there. So I think Rendon ends up being the only position player. Uh, so I, I got him top three. Yeah, so for me, um, I have Rendon, Arnado, and uh, my boy Eduardo Escobar, man, having a great okay. season for the Diamondbacks. Yes, he is. Um, and KB, KB's at four. Um, I think KB's going to get the votes um, just because he's Chris Bryant. Um, but, I mean, he's having a great year, too. It's You can't really deny that. So, if he were to make it, I wouldn't be like, oh, man, Chris Bryant made it over Eduardo Escobar. Like, I, you know, the right. general baseball fan's not going to care. So, <laughs> um, but, yeah, th- I mean, third base in the NL is just, just phenomenal. I mean, Manny Machado is not even going to sniff the top three and – you know, we all know how good he could possibly be. And um, Eugenio Suarez and Justin Turner, like, I mean, there's some there's some names here, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like you said, this might be the most talent stacked position we uh, we've got, especially for if you like the National League compared to the American League after Devers and Bregman, like the fall off is crazy um, in comparison. But yeah, I'm with you. Um Escobar's being overlooked. He needs to get some more respect for what he's done this year. So happy you shouted him out. Um, yeah, I'm just – to me, Brian's like you said, he's the guy that's going to get the vote being a Cub. 
um, you know, having won the World Series a few years back, being a popular name in the game. So I think Bryant gets the vote, and that's kind of why I just – I also think he's the more talented of the two, and that's why he got it for me. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, there's no real argument for me on, on this right. end. Um, you know, it is it is what it is. Um, you have anything else to say for the NL third baseman? No, man, just let's get Anthony Rendon into an all-star game because that guy deserves it no matter, you know, how uh, miserable the season's been thus far for national fans. Yeah, I, I would have to have to agree there. Um, I mean, Rendon is just – he's just special, man. We got we got to get him in. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move over to AL shortstops, which, I mean, it's, it's no uh, – you know, it's, it's okay. Um, there's been some good play. A lot of good defensive play, honestly. Fantastic um, defensive play. Fantastic defensively this season from the AL shortstops. Um, but we do have some decent hitters up here, and I think three of the best AL hitters might be making it this year um, for the shortstops. And uh, who you got over here? All right. So I got Jorge Polanco, Mr. Timmy Anderson, because, man, does that guy deserve it over just about everyone. And I got Glaber Torres as my third one. So – there you go. Yankee fans, you could get mad at me for the LeMahieu comments, but I got your boy Torres and I got Luke Voigt in, so get off my back. <laughs> well, anyway, um, I have the exact same order. Uh, okay. I, didn't, I did not think we would. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's hard to ignore Tim Anderson. It's hard to ignore Jorge Polanco, and it's hard to ignore Glaber Torres. It just simply is. Um, I think if Carlos Correa was healthy, he'd be there. Right. Um. And I mean Xander Bogarts though is having a very good season, um, and I could see him sliding in there to a top three vote. Uh, but I don't know, man. It's if if the, if Anderson or Torres were to get pushed out, I I think I would be uh, I'd, I'd feel some type of way right there. Yeah, I would. Tim Anderson better be playing in the All Star game this summer. Um, that guy deserves it, man. From just dealing with the scrutiny that he doesn't deserve that he's been getting for no reason for the way he plays the game. Um, look, he's electric. He's been fantastic this year, really turned his career around. He, he deserves that as much as anyone. And, you know, since basically since Tulowitzki went out, Glaber Torres has been fantastic and I'm with you. Um, if Correa was healthy, he'd be the guy, but the fact is he's not. And Bogart has been fantastic too. I have, no problem if you interchange them, but I'm just uh, – I want to give Glaber Torres his, you know, his due credit, man. He's come in. He's been fantastic, so shout out to him. Yeah, he's, he's been playing a great shortstop, and uh, like like you uh, discussed prior to the season, he should be the shortstop to, to begin with instead of Tulowitzki. Um, may have actually cost him a game or two probably if you, if you look at it in that Yeah, that for realm. sure. Um. But anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm glad we agree on the shortstops. And, you know, I, I would say Xander Bogarts is probably our four. Um, Andrew, maybe Elvis Andrews, our five. Um, yeah, I'm, you're I, with I, me there. I am with you there. I think that's pretty accurate. I think um, – and, look, that's an interesting one, too, because it's kind of the younger guys flipping over the veterans in Andrews and Bogarts. So uh, I don't want to say a changing of the guard there, but it's nice to see the young talent uh, getting recognized like that. Yeah, and, and there's some names I, I want I mean I want to shout out in AL shortstops that are playing well. I mean, Alberto Mondesi is is yeah, someone we will yep. is someone we'll see in an all star game very soon. Um Marcus Semyon is playing really good baseball. Um Freddie Galvis is having a decent season. I mean, you know, there's there's some talent there. Willie Adamas is just he's doing fine for a shortstop in Tampa Bay. I mean, you know, there's there's no real like hole here besides Richie Martin and Jordy Mercer, but uh, we didn't expect anything from them to begin with, so um, no, from the AL shortstops. And we have to also understand that every single year for the rest of time, Jordy Mercer will be the shortstop for like the number 28 through 30 team in the league. It's just, it's what he does. So, he's automatically going to be out there. <laughs> I would, That's a pretty spot on statement you just made. Um <laughs> Every every year, man, I swear. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, let's slide over to the NL shortstops. Um, 
some electric names over here, huh? Uh, who who you got yeah. uh, rounding this one out? All right, so we we might differ a little bit here. Um, I got Javi, obviously, and then I got Trevor Story, and I got Dansby Swanson. What you got? I have also have Javi. He's my clear and cut number one. Um, right. Trevor Story is my clear and cut number two, and then I had a tough time deciding on three. It was between Dansby and DeYoung, and I chose DeYoung um, okay. from the Cardinals. And um, you know, you wouldn't have to like tug me at the waistband to switch it or anything like that. It's, uh, I mean, you know, it's either, either or for me, three or four, Dansby and, and DeYoung. I, I don't really particularly care for, for that number three shortstop position. Yeah, I'm with you. I think you could interchange either of them. Uh, you know, Swan, I, I just – I love where Swanson's game has come. I love watching him play ball now. The pop being there where it, it kind of hasn't been uh, – or wasn't there when he first came up. Now, I think he's got 13 home runs already this year. I might be wrong on that, but I think that's the number. So, yeah, I just – I like where his game's come. I'm a fan of watching him play, and that's why I went with him. Yeah, um, I'm also a fan of Dancing Swanson. I mean, we watched him play at Vanderbilt, and we were like, yep, he's the number one pick. Um, and that's when he wasn't hitting home runs, and that was in college. Right. I mean, his his swing has, has somewhat changed a little bit. It's He's got more pop in his bat, and from a shortstop position to have that pop, I mean, I mean we're seeing it with the NL shortstops. I mean, Javi Baez is one of the most electric bats in baseball, and then along with Trevor Story, I mean – Great stuff, great stuff over there in the NL shortstops. Uh, I gotta love you. Gotta love it. Yeah, I'll I'll give a shout out to my guy too. One maybe the most underrated hitter in all of baseball. Gene Segura just sprays the ball all over the field, man. He he's not gonna have the numbers to get into an All Star game, but he's quietly been phenomenal this year. So he's uh, yeah, like you said, man. For a position that used to be known as you know the Alex Gonzalez's of the world, guys that play great defense, but couldn't hit themselves out of the paper bag it's completely changed now and uh yeah shortstop's becoming the prime time position where guys are not just doing it with the glove now but Javi Baez is hell hacking every time he gets up and hitting the ball 800 feet so yeah shortstop's come a long way since me and you were kids huh since Ray Ordonez was out there doing it right absolutely um and I do want to say if if Trey Turner did not break his finger um he would be probably in the top three. He's uh, since he's come back, he's he's been playing really really good baseball, and he's probably one of the spark plugs for this Nationals team. Yeah, I agree with you, and the same could be said for uh, Lindor in the American League too, who's been good since he came back from injury. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, yeah, a lot a lot of this ends up predicated off you know guys being hurt or getting hurt. So that that's another factor into this as well for sure. Yeah, and the reason they shouldn't be in the All-Star game is not because of their talent. It's because these other guys have played every single game or mostly every single game, and it you can't be voting in. We'll, we'll touch on that with Aaron Judge in the outfield. But yeah, all right. Well, let's let's go to the catchers real quick. Um, this should be nice and easy because there's really none um, <laughs> in the AL. Um, who who you got rounding this uh, the top three there? All right, so I got Gary Sanchez. Uh, and then um, I might go a little out of left field for you here. I'm going Josh Fagley from Oakland, and then James McCann, Jason Castro. You can interchange them, but those are the guys I got listed. Okay, so I also have Gary Sanchez and Josh Fagley. Um, oh wow! I yeah. like that. I was like, man, he's he's gonna think I'm coming out of left field with that. Love well, it. no, I mean Josh Fagley. Uh, he was he was doing pretty well for my fantasy team at at one point. Um, I dropped him for uh, who did I drop him for? Mitch Carver. Um, so yeah, really lighting yep. it up there. Um, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then um, the third guy I have is is uh, Robinson Chirinos. <laughs> Um and I mean I'm not really proud to put him in my All Star ballot, but he's there. Um, and and then yeah, I mean James McCann, he he could definitely be there, I guess. Um, it's just game. The games played aren't really there, but the numbers for what he has played in are, you know, pretty solid. Um, you know, Castro, it's the same thing. You know, I just don't. Aside from Sanchez and Fegley, like offensive production is just non-existent at the catcher position in the AL. 
yeah, no, it really isn't. Um, it's it's decently sad, and I'm not going to fight over who's the third catcher for the AL. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, we're not. No way we're wasting time on that. No, so let's slide over to the NL, which is actually pretty good. Um, who you got here? This is you got clear cut two better than the rest. You got Wilson Contreras, JT Real Muto. I change him however you like. I would put Contreras one as of now, but you know personally, I believe Real Muto is the best catcher in the game. And then uh, I'll give Brian McCann a late career shout out and give him that last vote. Get him in there. Um, yeah, for me, it's Contreras one, um, Real Muto two, and then um, I, I got to throw my boy Wilson Ramos in there. Okay. And not because he's a great, you know, the greatest catcher, but he's doing well. Yeah. He's doing well. He's doing Wilson <laughs> Ramos things. That's what he does. Yeah. Hit some home runs. It's, hey, know. look, man, if you can, consistency out of that position is key. So if he's going to put up the same number, if he's going to do Chris Davis and put up the same numbers every year, I'm sure the Mets will take that. No, 100%. Um, and that's kind of been something he's been doing his whole career with every team he's been on with the, the Nats and the Rays just – you know, pop in the middle of the lineup. Um, he's going to play often. Um, besides that one injury, he he did have, but once he came back from that, he's he's pretty much been good to go. Um, so yeah, catchers catchers are pretty much done, and um, I mean the NL definitely has a slight edge over the AL there. Um, let's move on to the American League outfield. Um, we'll do five. I know it's nine, but nine is a ridiculous number. Yeah, right it's now. insane. So we'll do we'll do the top five, um, which would be fair to me. Um, and I think number one would have to be the obvious choice. And then um, two through five might change a little bit, but uh, I feel like we might have some of the similar some similar names in there. Uh, who you got for the outfield? Starting yeah. American League here, right? To start? Yeah, American League. Yep. All right, I got Mr. Trout, best player in the game. He's got to get the vote. And then I got George Springer, Eddie Rosario, Joey Gallo. And your boy, Mr. Austin Meadows. Yeah, so um, we are going to differ a little bit, uh, but not by much. I, um, I figured in the outfield we would. Yeah, so I, I have Trout. I have Meadows. I have Rosario. Um, I have Springer. And then I'm giving my boy Tommy Pham a vote. Okay. <laughs> but, I, I, um, I appreciate that. But um, I certainly do not have Aaron Judge in my vote. Yeah, man. Jesus. What is so where is he actually in the top ten right now? The last I looked, he was either four or five. Yeah, I mean, come on now. The guy's played what, ten games this year? I mean, obviously that's I have no idea off the top of my head how many he's played, but it feels like ten or less. And then he's gonna come back what in uh, I think it's like a week from now, maybe two. I think they're him and Stanton are going to start that assignment pretty soon, or they they might have already. So he's going to come back, and then he's going to play what, like say two weeks tops before the All Star game. Like it just makes no sense to me. It's obviously the guy's a great talent. He's one of the better players in the game, and obviously the All Star game is you know you want to see the best players across baseball. But this guy hasn't played baseball this year. It's just it's ridiculous to give him a vote over guys that are busting their tail day in and day out, going through all the travel, putting up the numbers. It's time for other people to get recognized, too. I, I can't stand that. Yeah, absolutely. So, currently, um, if I'm looking at the right thing, Darren Judge is seventh, um, and he's over Okay, that's a little bit better. He's over names of Joey Gallo, Josh Reddick, uh, Max Kepler, Byron uh, Buxton. So, I mean, Tommy Pham's all the way down at 15. Uh for him to be over Joey Gallo, that is that's just a disgrace. Yeah, I mean, it really is. Um Yeah. Gallo's having a hell of a year, dude. I know he's been hurt the last what like 10 to fi- 10 to 15 days whatever it's been he's missed, but he's been so 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 good this year. And that Texas Rangers team is a playoff team right now because of guys like that. So I I just I don't know what world we're living in where Aaron Judge could possibly make an all-star game over that dude yeah and i would have to i would have to agree it's it's a little disappointing um we we got to get some of this personal bias out in in the all-star voting um it's, yeah, and it's, i i think you know there should be you should have to play a certain number of games to be voted in 
Like, there should just be a minimum number of games started or games played, whatever it is. You know, I don't, I don't think you should just be able to vote anyone that's rostered in the MLB. You know, m- yeah, much would, like, yeah. much like you need a certain number of games played to put, win Rookie of the Year or to, to be eligible for a batting title. Should the same should go for the All Star Game? Yeah, I would have to agree. Um, I, I feel like they, if Aaron Judge does make like you know the top five or something, they're gonna have to to make that change uh, sooner rather than later. I would hope so. Or I would hope that he does the right thing and just decides to continue his rehab and not go to the All-Star game. But And, yeah, get, that, and, that would... and give a guy like Tommy Pham who deserves it an opportunity. Yeah, I would, I would, have, to, I would have to agree. Um, let's slide on over. So, anyway, the AL outfield is pretty stacked. Um, some good, some yeah. good names there. Um, some different names in uh, – with Austin Meadows there, I mean, what a season he's having for the Rays. Um, move on, moving on over to NL. There's obviously two names that are 100% need to be there. They need like millions and millions of votes. Um, they already do have over a million votes each, um, and one le- one slightly leads the other. Uh, could you guess what it is? I'm going to go with Bellinger because the Dodgers fan base is just much larger than the Brewers. Yes, it is Bellinger by 100,000 or so. All right. Still close, though. Oh, it's real close. It's real um, close. Um, Yellick, Yellick is at number two right there, right behind him. Yeah, so, I mean, that's obviously what both of us got, right? Those are your one, two. I don't think yeah, there absolutely. could be anyone else. Uh, and then for me, the other three I got, I got two Braves on this list. I got Ronald Acuna Jr., and I got Nick Markakis. And then I got another Dodger in Jock Peterson. Um, and then look, if we wanted to do a sixth, I'd probably put another Brewer in Lorenzo Kane. So uh, I'm basically just running three teams in this outfield. <laughs> well, I'm going to differ a little bit from you. Um, I have, I, I mean, I have Yelich and Bellinger, obviously, and then I have Charlie Blackman. Um, and this is no particular order for three, four, five. It's Charlie Blackman, Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, and then I do have. Marcelo Zuna. Um, okay. For some reason, he just has my attention this season. Um, not off to the hottest start, but um, I mean, like last year, he, he he you can see that he really he's really turned it on. Um, he's a great hitter, and uh, I mean, Jock Peterson is is also a guy uh, who's in the top you know nine outfielders in the NL, and there's no real argument there. Um, Bryce Harper's going to find his way into the top nine probably to advance. Um, so, I mean, I mean, the NL outfield is, is also stacked and I feel like the NL is just better than the, than the AL. Yeah. And there's so much more depth in the national league of, than there is the American league in terms of just like the talent pool. Um, and look, there's a lot more like you could tell in, when you look at each division, how competitive they are in the national league compared to the American league, um, yeah, you can just tell the difference in depth. Um, but, yeah, man, I just – Bellinger and Yelich are the clear-cut ones. To me, Ronald Acuna is the must – or can't miss, must-watch uh, prospect of today, you know. And then Nick Markakis is a guy who's just been around doing the same thing forever but doing it damn well. And I think Jock Peterson, uh, after a guy who's been on the bench, you know, a lot the last two years, for him to come out and have a, a year like he's had, I think he deserves to be rewarded for that. So I, I'm hoping he gets in the game as well. Yeah. Um, Doc Peterson, he's, he's been electric for the Dodgers. He's a big reason why the Dodgers are where they are. Um, a little surprising for me is how many votes Alex Verdugo has been getting. Um, he's actually in the top nine right now for the NL outfield. Yeah, that's that's the fan base right there. That's much like the Yankee fan base. Of look, Verdugo's been good. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah, I'm not I'm not about to you know diminish any of his accomplishments this year. The numbers he's put up. It's just he's not top nine. Um, that's the Dodgers fan base pulling for him. And you know, credit to them. I mean, they got him. What I'm pretty sure he's ahead of Bryce Harper. So pretty impressive on their part. Yeah, Verdugo's nine and. Harper's 10, Marcakis 11, Soto 12. So Ozuna 14, Lorenzo Cain 17. So, I mean, he's over some some big-time guys right there. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, like you said, I mean, 
for those for like Lorenzo Cain to be at 17, that just shows you how much depth there is in the outfield in the National League. That's a that's pretty incredible right there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'll move on to the the final position of the All Star Game, the uh, the designated hitter for the AL. Um, who you kind of got here? God, I so badly want Hunter Pence to be my selection. And personally, I probably will vote Hunter Pence to the All-Star game because you want to talk about comeback player of the year and a guy who looked like he was dead to rights, career coming to an end, and just all of a sudden he he's back. Um, Hunter Pence deserves it as much as anyone. But I, uh, I got J.D. Martinez as of right now. And then I wouldn't be upset if you went Pence, Nelson Cruz, Otani. I wouldn't be upset about any of them, but J.D. Martinez is the guy. Um, yeah, it's been a toss-up for me between J.D., Martinez, and Hunter Pence. Uh, I'm going to roll with Hunter Pence because the story, man. <laughs> yeah. Good story. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you there, man. Comeback player of the year. No doubt about it right now. I would have to say there's literally zero doubt that he's, uh, he's comeback player of the year. It's uh, nothing short of incredible right now what, what he's doing for the Texas Rangers. And to now that Gallo's out, he's been playing like with him in the lineup every day. It's he hasn't missed a beat, man. And neither has that team, even without him. They're still producing runs. It's they they are something special to watch right now. I don't know. Every year we get one of those teams that just kind of clicks and comes out of nowhere. That's the one right now. Yeah, I, I mean it's hard it's hard to disagree with that. Um, I mean the Rangers are playing really good baseball. Um, and also the, the designated hitter for the AL is, I mean, we got some good designated hitters this year, um, for the most part. I mean, Nelson Cruz is still here. Uh, Chris Davis, um, Avisayo Garcia, who I don't know why he's a DH here, but he usually plays right field. Um, and then Jaden Martinez and Shohei Otani and, you know, once Stanton's healthy and then right. you got Daniel Vogelback. I mean, it's a good list of names right there. Yeah, Vogelback's had a good year too. And look, I mean, like we touched upon earlier, the Mariners got to get someone in. Someone has to be there. So, uh, you know, maybe Vogelback ends up getting a nod. We'll see. Yeah, we, we shall see. Um, but anyway, that, that pretty much rounds out our, our current All-Star Game ballots. Um, obviously, we'll fix things up once once it goes into the actual um, – that next round where you see the top three from each position advance, you see the top nine outfielders advance. Um, next week we will touch on some of the pitchers that we think uh, should make it for the all-star game. Um, I feel like we'll have some fun with that. Uh, but anyway, that rounds out um, our bout, rounds out our podcast um, for this week. Um, I want to remind you to follow us on Twitter at Play Sneaky. Um, follow us on Twitter at JokerMagHQ for some great pieces, especially the one on Tommy LaStella that just came out. Um, and follow Joe at Taking the Price. Follow myself at B underscore Contino23. And we will see you next week. All right, Joe. Good stuff. Good Joe. stuff. Good stuff. Thank you for listening to the Sneaky Place podcast presented by JokerMag.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please smash that subscribe button. And follow us on Twitter at PlaySneaky.